previously on box cutters. See, I've I've lost the actual joke, but there was some there was some joke at some point about minor TV shows yes. and how I thought Thatcher got rid of all of those. Oh yeah, it was a yeah, yeah. that is a good joke. Yeah, there was a joke about that. Yeah, yeah. And two, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> Box Cutters episode 346, the itchy and blotchy show. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Courtney Hawking. Hi. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. It's a good episode of Box Cutters today. Well, firstly, there is one. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped. Secondly, Courtney's here. Yeah, I'm so sorry, everyone. I let you all down, but I'm here now. I'm ready to make up for it. How could how could Ben McKenzie just just stepping in with a, I haven't he has not, hasn't been introduced yet so don't talk to him no no I was don't just talk to him but looking. how I could his, yeah no you can't he's he's a remarkable human being he just stepped in and just went boom I'm just going to talk about the goodies off the top of my human head yeah and then and then later on facts yes that's more than I even do when I prepare and come in so amazing really tell me about thanks Ben Uh, coming up later on in this episode we finally get to do the uh, season (laughs) 4 review of Arrested Development now they're talking about season 5 we're reviewing season 4 bam (laughs) we're right up with uh, all the the stuff that's happening right now Brett right now Mm -hmm. Uh, we have uh, we're going to talk look it doesn't sound like a fun this topic. Is, this is every time I think of a segment. This is your introduction. Look, it sounds a little bit arty farty. But I'm re- I'm really excited. <laughs> American exceptionalism post nine eleven in American TV. I'm really excited about. Like I've I've been doing research. I've been I've been thinking about theories. I've been looking at all all sorts of stuff. I'm I'm really excited about this. This is this is what I was working up to. While I was sick. Right. This is what I've been bringing to the table here. It just this took is, me a while to get together. This is coming from the fevered dreams. Of- yeah, yeah. What, the fevered, terrorist, American-y, sexy dreams. We've got one thing. We have Ben McKenzie wearing a hat. Yes, you do. What, 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 what sort of that? You, you're so full of hats. Well, tonight I thought I would wear a Panama hat. So the, the the Panama hat's got the it's got the band uh, around the uh, uh, around the top and a canal in the middle. Yeah. So uh, so uh, and un- so under that Panama hat, there are facts. Th- there are facts. Well, just, there will be, and they're just going to spill out later on. They will. I'm looking looking forward to that. We have some pork as always, though. We're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. <laughs> By now, you would have heard about the very sad passing of Corey Monteith, the uh, lead, or one of the two leads in Glee. Mm. Very, very sad news. Only 31 years old. Uh, and uh, I didn't know anything about his his background. Apparently, no. he was fighting addiction for a long time, even before he was on Glee. Yeah. Uh, so, it's not, it's not a case of fame, fame. caused <laughs> addiction, but uh, so it's a troubled Troubled young man. It's very sad. Yeah, mm. he was. He was. He started taking drugs when he was twelve or thirteen, and then he went to rehab for the first time when he was nineteen. Um, and he'd been doing quite well, and then he went to rehab again. I think earlier this year, at the start of this year, 
um, and was, you know, working through stuff. And I think in the, the last season I, I have been watching Glee, sorry, to myself mostly. <laughs> and uh, in the last couple of episodes he couldn't make it because he, he was actually in rehab so they didn't really write him out. But he was kind of, he and Rachel Berry, the female lead, played by Leah Michelle, who's his real-life fiancé, was mm-hmm. um, they were sort of like the the golden couple of the show, and it was all supposed to end with them. So it's really sad. It is it's it's sad for for viewers and people who worked with him, mm. and also his family, obviously. Uh, so hearts go out to everybody. Uh, it's yeah, sad. Anyway, do you, do you think that's the end of Glee as well, or are they going to do a Darren on the character? Or? Oh no, I think I think they will. They'll have the the terrible Glee episode where they overwrite the feelings out of it and, you know, do do something with it, I'm sure. I don't think they would be able to get another actor to play it. It doesn't sound like something they would do. And it's such an over-emotional show, it's well, more likely that they would write it in. I if think. you saw the uh, live in the studio that uh, John and I did uh, about when TV goes wrong, mm-hmm. we spoke about death. Mm. And the Americans deal with death in a very specific way and they have a goodbye episode mm. to the to the cast member. Yeah. And I, I think this is what is going to happen on Glee. They'll, they're going to come back. There is going to be a goodbye episode. Mm. It's only if they've been sacked that they don't get a goodbye episode. Correct. Well, if they're, if they're sort of, I'm, you're dead to me, that's different to actually dying, I think. But I did. I saw um, the AV, Onion AV Club, the TV club, posted a um, sort of bit of an article about this yesterday and they showed the very first clip of him singing in the Glee Club, and I was never really much of a fan of the character, but you can really see that it'll be a real loss, and he really did seem like such a nice guy. Such a shame. You know what's not a shame? You know what no one cares about? Tell me. Here's some news no one cares about. Yes. Yes. Best kind. The definition of news. (laughs) Uh, Hulu, they were going to sell, now they're not going to sell. Because no one wants to buy it. Probably. Yeah. Probably, probably because it doesn't really have much of a, a future. Uh, Netflix has been doing so well. Amazon's TV uh, uh, section is, is going to do well. It just is because mm. Amazon has. They not have one already. Oh no, no, it's it's they have one. It's not doing great at the moment. Okay. It is going to do well. Like it's going to yeah. right, it's going to be a big player. Uh, Hulu early early to the party. Yeah, last one to be asked to dance. It's. <laughs> It was a great idea. Hulu was catch-up television, mm. and it was it was the sort of thing that we wanted here for all of the networks to to have. Uh, the The idea, though, uh, kind of just dated itself very quickly mm. when we soon discovered that the uh, free-to-air networks in the US didn't actually have much mm. that people wanted to watch mm. anymore. Yeah. So while there may have been some hits on Hulu. They always had trouble monetizing it. Uh, they will continue to have trouble monetizing it. And uh, it is it is very much the same model as free-to-air television. Mm. Uh, there is there is a premium version of it, but you don't get that much more. It's not that great. It's all about who has the content now, really. In, in terms of Netflix, I for House of Cards, I got Netflix um, so I could watch that in about... 24 hours and then had a week left of Netflix or like a month I think and they have a fair bit but even then not I found myself by about middle of the week not really wanting to watch that much so it's really I think this kind of stuff is a real battle of 
the bigger organisations and media corporations that have all of that, the rights to that content. I don't think they're going to be able to really work that out either. No. Unless and, – and, and that's where their money is, is in owning that content and then selling it in different formats however they want to. So it's not in their interest to go, here's everything we have. Come and have a look, you know. It's not the ABC props department every five years. It's like <laughs> – you know? Now we know where Courtney does her shopping. Mm. <laughs> Stylish, huh? The, yeah. Hey, I know. fellas. In Australia – ABC did so well with iView. Yeah. They kind of cornered the market on, on catch-up TV on the on the web. SBS has an okay product. The networks Rubbish. still have just never caught up. And so where's where's your Freeview Now networks in, in Australia? <laughs> they have those ads. I've seen yeah, them a lot. Those... They, they sure do have a lot of those ads. Well, the Freeview systems, Freeview is separate from online catch-up TV. That's, that's your digital channels. But if you've, if you've got – if you have a uh, – a, a set. What, what should what, what should we call it? Uh, let's say a cabal of <laughs> uh, of, of free to air stations mm-hmm. working together, uh, uh, possibly anti competitively, uh, to to create uh, to create one body that is uh, solely there to promote itself. Surely that body should have the authority to create a catch up TV service. And then that body could work to help move uh, move the networks into a new medium. It's a bit more expensive than just badges to put on uh, electronic equipment. Yeah, it's also a bit more effective, I, w- I would think. Like, if you actually wanted this thing to be more yeah. than just marketing lies, why, why not do that? Speaking of Freeview and Australian free-to-air networks, uh, firstly... Gem with uh, the Ashes yeah, coverage. That seemed odd. Has, uh, has scored really well. In fact, scored better than Channel 9. Is Gem the chicks? I think it's scored better than Channel 10, definitely. Is Gem Channel 9's women's station? Ki- kind of, Which but it's also, also their there. HD station. Oh, I see. So uh, the cricket being on Gem uh, and Foxtel, mm. me not having the Foxtel sports package... Mm. First time in ages I haven't been able to watch the cricket. How do you feel about that? I feel like I reconnected with ABC Radio. <laughs> and did that was that good? It was nice. It, yeah. it was it, it was kind of nice to just sit there and have the radio on and do some work and and listen to the cricket and then swear. <laughs> I think I would have been a lot angrier if I was watching television. You couldn't get onto it online. Uh, no, no. Uh, it was it was weird, and there's there's some weird I don't know there's some weird rights issues there as well. Yeah. I didn't try very hard to get onto it online. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I could have gone through a, an alternative country. But Channel Nine is also launching a new look. It's I, I don't I don't really I don't really get it. The, this this media release came through on Monday that uh, talked about how the couch potato is dead. So this is from Channel 9, or from the 9 Network. The couch potato is dead, and viewers have become doers. And, and it's, it's about them launching a new companion app. They're working out uh, how people watch TV. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I know, finally. Gee. Uh, there's, so there's this thing. Come on, use your words. Jump in. It's called Jump In. And? All they say in the entire media release 
is Jump In gives viewers more from their favourite Channel 9, Go and Gem TV shows, including exclusive content while they're watching. The media release itself doesn't tell So it's like it's, anything. A, it's an app that goes, this actress has also had a different haircut in another episode. You can buy that haircut here. So is it just Channel 9's flavour of Tango? Fango? I think so. I think so. Z-Box? Uh, <laughs> so they, they have an FAQ. And? On, on their website. Is Jump In a TV gut? Jump In is more than just a great interactive TV gut. That wasn't the question. The question was, no. I think they're, I think <laughs> they're saying yeah, no. They're not doing yes, no. You get, <laughs> you get access to breaking news, exclusive videos, comments, and votes. Uh, I don't... I vote not to use the app. Yeah. Can I watch one? TV on Jump In? No. Jump In. I like how they have frequently asked questions before, like at the same Anybody's time they're launching anything? the... Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, can I watch TV on Jump In? It lets you get more from your favourite shows and so, is your companion while you watch. So that's a no. Yeah. Sounds expensive, Josh. Do you have to pay for Jump In? I, look, I don't... Come on, just <laughs> go down. Uh, jump, jump In is free. Yes. <laughs> it's, I, I, hope, I hope what it is is an app and then when you open it up, it's just like scenes from the Sale of the Century gift shop. Oh, I'd love that. Oh, I love I love this one. I'm They're a Windows 8 user. Why can't I see the block sky high or state of origin pages? Because you throw your computer out of a 10-story <laughs> window. That's why. And yourself. Jesus. It's because the latest computers have a limited set of features available. Better ones than your shitty computer. Get a new computer. No, no, no. no. You need the older computer. What? <laughs> That's what you need an older computer. <laughs> or... Uh, just just as old computer, but an uh, an older operating system. Yeah. Jump in to Windows ninety five. <laughs> wow! Why they are, they're working hard to bring you more from your favourite shows. My favourite is from nineteen ninety five. My favourite is why can't I hear any sound on the video I am watching? Is the sound turned down? We can all make this mistake. Just check that your mute button is switched to there off on go. your device. All of Jump In's videos will have sound. All of them. All of them. There's no escaping it. But clearly, this so this media release, and, and networks do this, they send the same media releases to advertisers or media buyers as they do to, uh, to, to journalists, oh. uh, which they think I am of one. Which of those? Uh, j- a journalist. Okay. Uh, or a media buyer. But Puna. I have not bought any media. <laughs> Yet. But you may. Uh. This could be the, pl- the chance for you to jump in. And so clearly this is them trying to tell media buyers that... Hey, this will be good. This is a way to get people to watch TV and keep them watching during the ads. So they don't specify, when they're writing stuff like that, they don't specify the difference between we're trying to sell this into newspapers and you know news organisations and people we want to buy ads for it at all. In fact, in fact they, actually, uh, they actually focus it on both. Oh, at the same time. At the well, same time. Do you know, I, I always find as a writer the best way to really get the most out of something I'm writing is to think of two different audiences at the same time and try and talk to both of them mm. in their own languages at once. Well, if you, if, you go back to, if you go back to my sentence, I did say focus on both. And if you try to do that with your eyes, try to focus on two different things that are not next to each other. You die. Yeah, well, you just get a, you get a big headache. It looks three yeah. D, Josh. That's how magic <laughs> works. Oh, well, thank thank you for bringing us to three D, Brett. No That's, because uh, 
uh, people are still making 3D TVs. Why? Well, because they think that there's a way to make 3D TV without having to use glasses. In fact, there is a way to make 3D TV. You, you knock the screen out and you put goldfish in there. God, that's the old. That's the old way. That's it the works. old way. Last week we saw the BBC uh, has also said they're pulling 3D television uh, from from their from their airwaves. Mm-hmm. And earlier in the month, uh, ESPN said that they were no go- no longer going to have 3D TV. Uh, Australia still has a 3D TV channel. It's blank. Yeah. Lastly, in uh, in news that is going to upset Ben McKenzie. Donald Glover will only be in five episodes of Community next season. My question for for him, Donald is Glover or Ben McKenzie? Ben McKenzie. Mm. I have no questions for Donald Glover. He's, he's, I've seen he's that fine. show. He is fine without me. That was me. done by Working Dog, wasn't it? Any questions for Donald Glover? No questions. No for questions. Donald. Donald. Yeah. Uh, Community without Chevy Chase, without Donald Glover, but with Dan Hartman. D- Dan Hartman, not Dan Hartman. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Uh, are you in? Is, is, is that going to be worthwhile? Um, well, look, I controversially did not hate the fourth season. I thought it was all right. I, I don't think it's as good as the previous seasons, but I still think it's a great show. That's at least partly due to the cast. I don't miss Chevy Chase as much as some people seem to. But I have to say, I, look, when, I, when I wrote down the heading in my little fact-checking sheet here, Community has less Donald Glover. The first note I wrote was just in all caps, my life is over. I don't understand. It can't happen. It, because if you, take, if you take Troy out, where does that leave Troy and Arbet? Nowhere. Well, How does that work? So what are you going to do with Arbet? And it's just, it, I think it's a much bigger change to the show because, you know, Chevy Chase's character was always more of an outsider in the group. You can take him out and he'd sort of done what he needed to do. And I don't have any problem with him not being in the show anymore. He was great but it works without him. I think this is a bigger challenge for the show because that Troy and Arbed relationship is really central. I think it's what a lot of fans like myself love about the show is is them. And they, particularly in season four, um, and maybe this will change when Dan Harmon, Harmon comes back, um, they really were the backbone of the show. Like a lot of the episodes really revolved around one or the other of them um, more so than the other characters with a couple of important exceptions. So I, yeah, I'm really not sure how it's going to work. I'm confused, but I'm going to try it because I have loved very few TV shows to the max in my lifetime, um, as I mentioned on the last episode. And Community uh, was one I didn't see coming, and I really loved that show, and I will watch it if they make more. You could tell me that none of the original cast is in it, and they've recast them all, um, and I will still give it a shot. Even if it's awful, I'll probably still watch it, to be honest. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hey, it's Paul Hoven from Steampunks. You're listening to Box Cutters. Love you. Bye, dickheads. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Rested Development Season 4, we waited a long time for, for this to happen. What is it? Four or five years? Uh, five years, I think. Yeah. And, long time. Uh, it, is, it, is a very, it was a very long time to wait. Long time in, like, pop culture as well. A lot mm-hmm. happens and it also, I think, a lot changes in that amount of time as well. If, no matter how popular something was at that time, things move. Things things move, uh, especially faces. <laughs> well, some of them do. And the... So, for, for me, watching Arrested Development, uh, got a Netflix subscription yep. for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching Arrested Development, the first problem I had was I just finished watching all three seasons. Okay. And... Some characters looked so different. It was. It took a little while for me to work out to, to well to 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 
get back that uh, suspension of disbelief mm. and and have them you know be part of the the same continuity mm. uh, once that once that happened, I was intrigued. In the first few episodes of uh, of Arrested Development season four, not as funny as say the the pilot episode of of Arrested Development and mm. and uh, first episodes of of other seasons, mm-hmm. but this is completely different because mm. it was released all at once on Netflix, mm-hmm. because it was known that people were going to binge watch it, mm. because it did not have uh, a particular time frame that it had to be on in in. Uh, in terms of yeah, running time in minutes, yep. uh, they could do a lot more and had to do a lot more with the with the telling of the story. So rather than being uh, being self contained half hour episodes, they were clearly making it one very long story, almost like a Rashomon uh, scenario where you're seeing the same thing from different people's perspectives. Mm. And round about episode three mm-hmm. of the season, things started falling into place, okay. and it became not only uh, not only a funny show with some really great jokes and some excellent uh, excellent gags from uh, from actors I have loved for for a long time, and mm. uh, but it also became like a mystery, mm. which was really exciting to me. I wanted to go back and watch the rest of it. I didn't want to be at work. I wanted to be home watching more Arrested Development. Right. Okay, that's good. And for for me, I think the, the series was a, a huge success because of that. And there, there were points where I had watched an episode the night before and then the next day at work would just start giggling to myself because some jokes were so funny. Mostly they were Job related. Yeah, uh, as per usual. But I, I thought it was—I thought it was a really clever way to bring back, uh, bring back characters. Work with a lot of constraints that they had uh, as far as who was available when they were available, and you know, not even knowing when it was going to be on or, or how it was going to end up being made, mm. uh, and also financial constraints. I think they did some really interesting work. I enjoyed it. Okay, I wasn't really that flash about it to be honest um i i find it a bit tricky because when i the first time i watched arrested development someone went oh my god you have to watch this show it's amazing and i watched the first three episodes and just went ah oh, no it's not really for me didn't really like it then a couple of years later i went back and tried again and was just oh my god this is amazing just must have been having a bad day life whatever um and then so i, I do wonder if watching it in the same way this time I have the same problem that I'm I'm missing something but I really felt in the remaking of it that they they broke a lot of the rules that they set up so well in the structure that made it so good in the first place so in terms of the limitations you're talking about about the shooting schedule and the finances and stuff like that a lot of the things um I think a lot of the scenes you can really tell that they're actors talking to green screens and not talking to other actors. You can you can tell once you know that's what's happening. Yeah. The comic timing's not there. It's impossible to have that bouncing off each other if there's nobody there. 
And so I can I can feel that when I watch it, it seems that way. But my primary problem is in the writing, and they haven't adhered to the rules that they set up. And the wonderful thing about Arrested Development is the writing was so tight and all so intertextually layered that that's what makes it so incredible and makes it so funny is there's so many different layers to these jokes and then you realise that this joke is this tiny little piece that also plays out later on. And then in this, they've got the Ron Howard narrator instead of doing his clever one-liners, they're using him to glue the gaps between the story because they can't shoot everything that they obviously want to to make it as funny as it could be. So he's there doing, like, narrative exposition instead of jokes. And I'm, what? Why? That's wrong. No, but, but he always did narrative exposition. But not like this. There's much more of it now. And it just, it just really, I, I got up to, I think, episode seven or eight, and then, eh. Oh, you, so you didn't watch it all the way through? I couldn't. I watched eight episodes. But you'd gone through the hard episodes, and, and so you didn't no. get the full payoff. <laughs> there was, you, yeah. you've, you've denied I've yourself. Broken, I've broken through, and yet not reaped the rewards. Britt, Brit, you're a man clearly with more joy in your life than Courtney has. Yes, I, I, I did get through to the end of it, and... See, uh, that's not a, not that's not an expression someone with joy uses. No, I no, got that, through and, to the and end. And I was of it. about to say that, that, that that's not what I, I meant by that at all. <laughs> um, I watched the entire season. The f- I, I was feeling really kind of lost in the in the first two or three episodes, thinking people people watching this who are just coming in from nowhere, mm. which I guess they had to deal with because it's kind of a new generation of viewers and all that sort of stuff that haven't seen the first three seasons necessarily. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't an easy road for them to get into the show because it was spending so much time setting up stuff that was then hilarious in episodes um, pursuant to those, but but they it really didn't make that much sense. See, I, see, I, as they I were going on in those first, first three, three episodes. I'd seen the first three seasons, and I still found. Like if I hadn't, if I didn't know that, I would still be. And particularly with the point I was making about not following the character notes, is the characters are doing all sorts of things that are just. Why are you doing this? The thing about the thing about really good comedy is that each of those characters occupies these spaces, and then they interact in particular ways. And if you then change that, then it's just whatever. So there was a payoff, but I think that the payoff for the the layman was probably too long. One of the things that I loved about about this season is that it, it even though they couldn't get everybody together as as often as they would have liked, uh, they did not stop filling every single second with as many jokes as possible, and and this is done in uh, you know cutaways, magazine covers, mm. uh, back and forth. I uh, I don't, a lot of people were kind of angry about. Season four of Arrested Development. What? Why? Be- because it uh, because it broke the pattern of of the other. Because they wanted something that remade what they what they saw in the first three seasons. I'm also really doubtful that it wouldn't have been better if they if they'd cut it together chronologically rather than having episodes based on on a particular character. So there's a really there's a really interesting uh, th- thing around the, uh, the the way they structured those episodes. So each episode is based around a particular character, mm. and and we we see uh, the events taking place from that character's perspective. Yeah. One of the ways that uh, actors were paid 
uh, was if they uh, if if the episode was their character's episode, they got a large amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, they were in the episode for more than six, more than fifteen seconds, they got a certain amount of money, and for fewer than fifteen seconds, they got a smaller amount of money. Mm. And I used to know those figures off the top of my head, <laughs> but I don't. How so I'm, I'm not sure that business makes for good TV. I, but it's not, this is the thing. It's not really, it's not really TV. I, I, so I like. Because liked, it's Netflix or. Yeah, because it's, because Netflix and it's being watched in a completely different way. I don't know. I, I never saw Arrested Development on television. I only ever watched it on DVDs all in a row. Right. So. I've been watching it in the Netflix model anyway. And I really feel that in the, the others, while there's callbacks to things, there's not repeated. And I found the repeated, like, seeing the same thing from all the different characters, it's just boring. But what about what about the hilarious reveals? Like the, 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 uh, the scene where they are all in uh, the parents' apartment having, having a conversation... And then you realise that Buster is there. And then you realise that Anne is there. And uh, all these great jokes about those reveals as well. I, yeah. I think Nothing. that was too much of a wind-up. Well, so. yeah, it, that's, that's the other thing too. It was, it was more clever than it was funny. I didn't... Because there was so much waiting... So four episodes ago, this thing happened, and now I'm seeing this thing happen, and, oh, I didn't know. It's just like someone going, oh, I'm so clever. It's not funny. I don't want to laugh at it because I'm surprised. I'm just like, oh, I see. You've done that. It's so rare that I'm the only one who... Uh, likes something. Who, who likes something. I, I did not like it. It's okay. I, I think that to be wrong. if you sustain it, then, then it does have really good payoffs. But... It, it's hard was, work. It's hard work early. That on. was a jibe at Courtney. You just did a jibe at Courtney. No, no, no. He was, no, just, he was just, just being like, honest and like, accidentally jibing. He's just like me. ribbing her. He's like, huh, Courtney, Courtney, slacker. That's what you're doing. Do you know what? I, you know what? I decided this after last night when I st- didn't sleep at all. I'm done. I'm done pushing through with things. You want to be good, be good. Otherwise, be good, I'm out. Be good for the. All oh, right. You're, you're just you just you drop it. You, you're not. You're not. I I'm ain't a, got time for this. You're not. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm going to let you not finish. Are you dropping the mic? You dropped the mic. Dropping the mic, walking away. So remember when uh, when we did House of Cards and I was talking about how Netflix uh, has not done anything really uh, really Netflix. brave or risky yep. uh, in in starting its own uh, its own content? I think to, despite that, I think Mitch Hurwitz has done something really risky with Arrested Development and I give him a lot of credit for that. He has taken a television concept... Mm-hmm. With a vague television model, and done something that nobody has ever done on television. I I agree that it is impress. I think I think it wasn't a successful experiment in my view. I don't think it was a successful experiment, but it, I agree with that. That it is good to see someone taking a show that has so much goodwill and such strength in the structures that came from television and actually going, right, now how can we do this in a way that suits this new model? I, I think that's really good and I hope more people do that. Now, I, I've, I'm not sure if I've been keeping up with the news enough. Is the movie still happening? I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe the movie is is happening, but I there's, believe a season five yeah, is happening. there's talk of a fifth. And Michael Sarah is apparently writing some episodes. Oh, great. Hi, this is Bobby Flynn, and it's been enlightening to be on Box Cutters. Was he in a cave? 
Is that where he... Yes. Did he, some, was he on Box Cutters and then you put him in a cave? Some episodes we recorded <laughs> in the Triple R cave. Courtney Hawking. Hi. Hi. Uh, American exceptionalism. I've been working on a TV thesis and I brought it in for you. <laughs> Thanks. So, Thanks. You're not even studying. <laughs> not even. This is just me off my own bat being a nerd. So... Just to explain, if you're not a super nerd, American exceptionalism is the idea that America is different to every single other country in the entire world. It sounds like America thinks it's better than everybody else. And it kind of is. That sort of usage of the word tends to come from conservatives who describe American exceptionalism as, well, we are a greater nation than everyone else and so we can do things that other people can't. But it's more the idea that because of the way America was developed in the first place, so the way they were founded and the values that brought them together, um, that their sort of combination of um, individualism, populism and liberty, uh, freedom, uh, that those things are... They make them unique among all the other nations in the world. And so what I think... I've been thinking a bit about this and a little bit about what that means in terms of how America views itself after September 11. Now, obviously, that's 12 years ago now, Mm -hmm. almost, so quite some time ago. But I think there's been a real change in the sort of television shows that we've been seeing from before then to now. Um, And America's idea of what, uh, what they're fighting against and what they're fighting for has definitely changed. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of television in the 90s, but I think The X-Files is certainly one of the best examples of the kind of television shows we saw in the 90s in terms of it's FBI agents and they're searching for the truth, obviously, Mm. but what they're fighting is an internal battle. So what Mulder is fighting and Scully being Mulder's partner is fighting against is, you know, cigarette smoking man and this conspiracy within the government that then goes beyond that. And so it's kind of the enemy that's part of us. Well, because that was uh, that was kind of the first post-Cold War yes. American, American show yeah. where uh, there wasn't an outside enemy anymore. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of um, what uh, we were fighting against is certainly... It's, it was understood to be part of us if yep. we're American. Um, but that's not the sort of thing we see anymore, which I think is really interesting. When I, when I see, when I think of the shows that I'm thinking about now, in terms of dramas specifically, um, I think comedy is a little bit different and specifically I'm thinking of like dramedy is, is sort of its own thing. Um, but a lot of the shows that have come around in the last 10 years have this sort of idea of American exceptionalism in that it comprises of those ideas about individualism and fighting for personal freedoms, but also fighting against an enemy that is not inside, but actually outside. So when you watch shows like uh, The Shield, Mm -hmm. um, Dexter as well, and Breaking Bad also, they're, they're not fighting some conspiracy. They're making exceptions to what is understood to be normal and the law often to fight for the greater good. So often doing things that are generally seen as illegal or, you know, immoral or transgressive in some way, but then they are, broadly they feel that they have that sense of right. And that idea that comes from, I think, September 11 specifically, is America has this kind of attitude of, 
well, people did these things to us, so now we have the responsibility, and not just the right, but the responsibility to go out there and make things right. And so what, what you're talking about there is a, a concept called noble cause corruption. Yes. And noble cause corruption is this, this idea that it is okay if I do a bad thing yes. if it is for a good cause. And Vic Mackey is, is definitely much, de- definitely much, de- very, very much a, uh, a proponent of, uh, of noble cause corruption. Mm. So is Robin Hood. Yes, that's uh, that, that's that's where we stand, and and a lot of a lot of these shows have that as as their basis, their model. Yeah, and, and so many of those shows, like even even a show like um, Boardwalk Empire, has that in it, has that element of. I mean, we know that he's not a good guy, but we're still this is who we're supposed to empathise with, mm. the main character, and the same with The West Wing as well, with President Bartlett lying about his MS. It's, it's doing, you know, the, doing the wrong thing for the right reason. The greater good is the more important thing. And so we have to overlook these smaller things. Whereas, like, in the, when you watch The X-Files, there was no sense of, well, we have to do these things because we're trying to do something bigger. That's what the enemy did. Well, and even if you go back to, to uh, the, the Sopranos, mm. uh, the, the Sopranos, which started before, before 2001, started mm. in the late 90s, uh, was... Uh, was about someone just doing their job for the sake of doing their job. Mm. The Sopranos was about professionalism. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't about doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. It was just about doing your job, and that's what that's what your job was. And uh, and I, I think what we saw then with uh, when the Shield started mm. was somebody not being a professional. Mm. But somebody lying to themselves. But also, in their own way, they be- Vic Mackey and his team, they believe they are being above and beyond professional in doing what they're doing. But you, also, but you know he's lying to himself. Yeah. And, yes. that's, and that's, that's the big difference. I think the big difference here is that in, in, those, in those examples that you give, The Shield, Dexter, and, uh, and Breaking, Breaking Bad... Bad all three of those uh, pr- protagonists mm. are lying to themselves. They know that what they're doing is wrong. Mm. They think that they can uh, get away with it. Uh, it's just this perfect encapsulation of, you know, the whole Iraq war. As of being above the law. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it's interesting how these shows also deal with the spectre of terrorism as well. Um, the Wire um, the sh- and The Shield both... Uh, brought it up in there, I think, sort of third or fourth season, So, because they ran almost parallel to each other. America is this unique country in that it's so, f- like Australia, it's so far away from Europe. It's so far away from everything else. And so this idea of exceptionalism is, you know, we are special and important and we have this power over other people and we have this responsibility to the world, but also this separation from everywhere else. And so when you watch The Wire and The Shield, they're both fighting this battle, you know, the police are working to change America and to make the streets a safer place and that sort of thing. And then the idea of terrorism only comes in as this thing that comes from higher government as to why they can't have money to do what they need to do. It's, it's not, it doesn't impact them. The shows don't change because suddenly the drug lords are from Afghanistan instead of, you know, 
Russia or, you know, wherever the people from the docks were and those crazy people. They're Polish. Polish. I'm sorry. Oh, no, they were Greek and they were – yeah, anyway. Yeah, sorry. I'm hugely racist. Mm. Um, you are so racist. You know it. Um, but th- what's happening on the ground doesn't change. Like, they're still fighting the same thing. The only thing is now their bosses say, well, you can't have the money to make the difference in your own backyard because terrorism. And so it's this interesting idea of it's this it's there. It's this shadow that's around everything, and yet it doesn't make a difference to them. I, I want to talk about uh, two shows that I think – or th- three shows, but uh, two two that seem like very patriotic shows that I think are – uh, callbacks to the nostalgia of uh, of the Cold War, mm-hmm. uh, and those are Friday Night Lights yep. and Glee. Okay, both of these shows are about uh, are, are about American values. Mm-hmm. Friday Night Lights is about the the desire to play football, play football well. Yes, Glee is about the desire to sing with joy and do that well. Yes, and in both of these. Uh, in both of these series, you have other parties who are trying to stop that from happening. Mm. Uh, you, you have uh, Sue Sylvester and uh, and and her cheerleading pos- yep. posse trying to uh, just undermine them. and thwart them at every every step of the way, mm. and so then they start escalating the uh, the they start escalating the. Uh, basically the war, mm. and they start building up more and more artillery yeah. uh, to, to hold against each other. And uh, Friday Night Lights, especially mm. uh, around about season three with the uh, East Dillon Panthers versus the Dillon Lions, you start to have uh, a, a group who's created out of, mm. uh, out, out of being different to other people. Like America. Like America. Mm. And, uh, and we're expected to suddenly... Side, change our allegiances right side side with the the panthers and think that the lions are a, a terrible terrible organization yeah. and we're just supposed to believe it and i think these are both kind of nostalgic let's look at a simpler time mm. when we knew who the enemy was and i think too it's so interesting i find interesting a lot of these ideas about national identity just we just use different words for them and the way america who are pretty much the number one global power if a dwindling one Hmm. um their self-concept is we are the underdogs they still see themselves as that yes which is crazy but I, I see you've you've written the Americans down on your uh, uh, yeah. on, on your piece of paper, Just and because you mentioned the Cold War, I, I hadn't. And it it goes to you know n- now we're looking at if we if we continue that idea of nostalgia for for the the Cold War mm. when we knew there was an enemy. Now we've got a TV show where America is uh, is the enemy. It's turned right back in on itself, um, which is wonderful to watch, and so and that's what makes. The Americans so unique as well is that, that it operates on those two levels of it's about these spies and you know they're double agents but also they're in this relationship that is fake but then now it's real and it's incredible it's it's a step beyond what Homeland started and wanted to be I think yeah, I, th- I think it. I think it achieves itself. It achieves its goals a lot better than Homeland did. It, which is interesting because Homeland is dealing with the with the issues that we have now, and ostensibly is more relevant 
And yet in reflecting something that happened 30 years ago, we have a much greater insight into the issues which are playing out now and and, are more interesting to us, I think. If you look at... uh film as an analogy, it's almost impossible to talk about the situation you're in currently mm. in, uh, in a, a, vis- a visual representation, which is, which is why uh, when Robert Altman made MASH, I mean, MASH was set in Korea, but really about Vietnam. Yep. And uh, it's, it's very difficult to talk about mm. current problems in a current context. It's a lot easier to, to show them in, in light of history. I think, yeah, which makes, which makes complete sense because when you're thinking about something that happens now, you can't keep up with the time of, of things changing. And if you want to plot something, you know, what happens next week is going to change everything. And then also the idea of making a television show or any form of entertainment is you, you shed a different light on that situation and you need to other it for people to be able to see it differently. And I think that's also why the newsroom doesn't work. Yeah, the newsroom is. I actually I watched the last episode of um, the first season of Newsroom yesterday, and it is it is all all the terrible things about American exceptionalism, just written by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thank you for bringing this thesis to to oh, Box Cutters. It was I've, a great chat. I've had a lot of fun. I hope other people will like it too. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch one. Look, I'm just, I'm just torn. I'm torn because there's cricket on. I don't have access to the cricket. <laughs> I don't know if if I was if I was going to watch one thing. I don't I don't know what it would be because I don't have access to the thing that I really really want to watch. So, what will you watch instead? I I think I think I'm going to go to my Netflix subscription mm. and watch Orange Is the New Black. I ha- I have seen people talking about this today. What is it? I've heard great things. It, it's a it's about a, a woman who uh, confesses to a crime from years previously mm. and uh, and is sentenced to eighteen months in prison. So, okay. but she's like a suburban housewife. So that she did the crime when she was much younger. Huh. And American, uh, American, okay. American. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Orange Is the New Black on Netflix. On, on Netflix. Okay, I'm, I'm going to watch that. What are you going to watch? I'm going to watch uh, part two of First Footprints, which is on ABC One. At, uh, is this about the moon? Is it about the moon? Twenty-seven on Sunday night. No, it's uh, it's about the, the moon? Australian Indigenous uh, on the history moon? Uh, in Australia. Were they oh. on the moon? Not on the moon. Oh no. There there are lots of uh, long exposure star shots throughout oh, the. Okay, uh, that sounds cool. Show, though. So I, is is it about the like Rainbow Serpent? Uh. Rainbow Serpent, the music festival. No, no, no. no the, it's about it's about uh, Dreamtime and and songlines and that sort of stuff. Yeah, because the Rainbow Serpent didn't have feet. <laughs> Hence, <laughs> Serpent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good. Yeah. I am going to watch uh, the third and. Hang on, hang on. What are you going to watch, Courtney? I'm going to watch the. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Courtney. Yeah. Are you going to watch one thing? Yes. Great. No, sorry, sorry. Oh, what's it, what would it be? I'm going to watch the third and penultimate episode of Luther on BBC. The f- what series is this? Of this Luther? is season three, I believe, of Luther. Uh, it's a BBC psycho crime drama. Uh, um, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Uh, Stringer Bell from The Wire. Mm-hmm. Looking fun. 
Uh, he is a detective who sometimes on the wrong side of the law to get the job done. Boy, does he ever. Good, I like it. Ben McKenzie. Yes. Panama hat. Yes. Now, so you know how, like, in South Park, uh, Carl wears a hat, and then when he takes off that hat, he has crazy hair? Yeah. Do you have crazy hair under that hat? I always have crazy hair. It's like one of my things. You know, it's, it's red, it's uncontrollable, somehow suave at the same time. I don't know how it works. I can't pretend to understand. Go on then, Ben. Well, we talked about Corey Monteith, uh, who is unfortunately found dead, star of Glee, um, and we said that he was most he was recently in rehab, and that's true. It was as recently as April this year. Yeah. So, poor guy's been struggling with that for a long time. Um, Hulu may have cancelled auctioning off uh, themselves, but they are at least pretending that they are still a going concern. Great. Uh, if you go to their website... <laughs> they um, haven't just, like, flicked a match over their shoulder and walked off into the sunset. No. Uh, but if you go to their website, one of the interesting things is that um, while they do have a message that says, sorry, currently our video library can only be watched from within the United States, they also have a message saying that they're working on changing that and making all their content available internationally. <sighs> that message has been there for some time, uh, I believe, but not... Not ages. So it's not new, but it's it's also, you know, they've put that there recently. They're still developing Hulu Plus, which is the premium version of their service. They've just released uh, in early June a new version of the Hulu Plus app for iPad. Um, and so they, they're still doing stuff, but whether or not that stuff will help them, who knows. Um, now, I, I took one for the team, and I actually have installed the Jump-In app on my oh, iPhone. Oh, wow. You're keen. And when they say... Is it, is it a TV guide? The answer is, yes, it's a TV guide. <laughs> um, pretty unambiguously. Amazingly, it's a TV guide. In fact, it looks a lot like... Now, I don't know if you've talked about TV apps on the show before. Yep, I use one called bit. Oz TV, which I rather like, which is... Because uh, I don't watch that much um, you know, free-to-air TV, but when I do, I like to know when what stuff it, what is on. What the hell are you watching? Um, and if I'm away from my TV, then I can't check the you know, electronic program guide. So I use uh, Oz TV, which is great. Um, Jump In has a fairly similar TV guide built in, and it's a guide for all the TV stations. That's good. All Isn't the Australian that ones. That's great. Um, and you can go in there, you can see um, when episodes are on. There's little descriptions. Uh, it gives you suggestions of other things you might like. You can favourite them. Um, Interestingly, or can you favour them? Uh, no, it's. You f- well, you probably could favour them. Um, I think the accurate term would probably be to say you can mark one as a favourite. Thank you, thank you. All right. Uh, so I, I, I'm sorry, verbing weird's language, as my mm. friend DJ mm. would say. Um, but I, I discovered that I don't think that many people are using it yet. Uh, some people are, though. For example, Big Bang Theory, um, I had to look, I was morbidly curious, has 4,128 people who've favourited it. So it tells you how many people say. This is my favourite show. And then how, mm-hmm. many, how many of us have to vote to send a drone to where they are? I don't know. <laughs> but I was only the 29th person to select Media Watch as one of my favourite programmes. Ah. So uh, there's not a huge audience using it at the moment. But at least it's at least in the thousands, one would assume, if they're going to have 4,000 people. Um, it also, you can integrate it with Twitter and Facebook so that when you're watching things, you can automatically post about them. Mm-hmm. And it's got some interesting stuff. Like if you look up a particular TV show... Um, then you can access tweets about that show using whatever hashtag they suggest is the official one. You can also see tweets from people who are in the show. 
It has a list of all oh. the Twitter accounts for people who are stars that's of the show. Idea. Yeah, which I thought was quite good. I haven't seen an app that's done that before. Mm. So it's got some interesting stuff in it. But again, it's an app that does something where you think, well, surely we want someone who's not a TV network to make this app because we don't want it to favour a particular station if it's going to be really mm-hmm. useful. Um, so or, I don't know how we'll many... we'll have to have three of them. Yeah. Yeah, which would be... Annoying. Pointless. Uh, but yeah, it does have... It's even got Channel 31 on it and NITV. Um, so even the newer channels are there, which is great. So it's... It, look, it's not... I don't know that I'll use it, but I'll, I'll get back to you. I will fiddle with it and see what's going on. Please do. Um, I looked it up because you were talking once more about the fact that 3D technology on television seems to be going out the window um, is uh, is ending. It made me think, well, what's what's the BBC doing? Because they promised that the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who would be in 3D. And apparently that, and then two, uh, to quote, quote the news website that I found this on, and two minor programs will be the last things the BBC broadcasts in 3D for three years. They are suspending... Uh, 3D television development for three years. Well, I don't have a lot of money over there at the moment anyway. It's not really surprising. Arrested development. That's true. You were saying that you're interested in, in the way that they were paid. It is an interesting pay structure. So because each episode revolves around a particular character, um, the actor starring in the episode, the main character, gets $125,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, if one of the actors appears in more than 90 seconds of an episode but isn't the star, they get 50000 And if they're in the episode for less than 90 seconds... They get 10000 And if a clip featuring an e- that actor from a previous episode is used, they get another $1,000. Right. So, uh, which is a bit different. Um, for comparison, um, for example, the Modern Family cast who last year uh, renegotiated their wages, they get between 125000 and $175,000 per episode. So, that, And I think I couldn't find another show that has sort of as large an ensemble cast as Arrested Development. So that's probably the best comparison. So it's it's kind of comparable, but they only get that much if they're the star of the, the episode, whereas on Modern Family you would get that every episode regardless if you're only in it for five minutes or not. Um, so I thought that was very that's interesting. a good comparison, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for all those facts. Too many facts. Hey, um, when I cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind box cutters pod cast done pork is on the table very quickly ben mckenzie uh splendid chaps we've got a new episode coming out on the 23rd of uh, july which is our seventh doctor and religion episode which we just recorded uh, the weekend before this episode of box cutters was released and it's great so listen to that. Uh, S- it, Sylvester McCoy, Seventh Doctor. Yeah, we were all big fans. He was very controversial at the time, but I think, like a lot of fans, we think he's great now. Um, and we had um, the Reverend Doctor Avril Hannah-Jones, from uh, famously from the Church of the Latter-day Geek, as featured on Gordon Street tonight. But she, uh, she came on as a guest, and we had pretty much a proper theological discussion about the interaction between religion and Doctor Who. So much so that we may or may not be releasing this episode in two parts. <gasps> we probably can't edit that much out of it. It was such an amazing discussion. So that's coming out soon. And our next episode will be in August during Science Week and we'll cover the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann, uh, who's featured in Luther, Courtney, of oh, course. Oh, he is indeed. I'd and, that. and in fact, there's a great meme going around Tumblr at the moment of uh, a scene from Luther, I think, where he kicks someone off a chair and they've <laughs> photoshopped in Stephen Moffat, the guy who runs Doctor Who at the moment. They've photoshopped his face in nice. on the face of the guy that he's kicking off the chair. And we're all like, yep, that's how he feels about not being invited to the 50th anniversary <laughs> special of Doctor Who. Oh, was he not? 
No, no, there's only it's, it, there's very few details going around, but as far as we know, the only doctors who'll be in it will be David Tennant and Matt Smith, which is as far as I'm concerned, one too many. It looked hot. The uh, the uh, I'm in, I'm interested in uh, in hearing the the Paul McGann or even going to see the Paul McGann uh, episode because I all I know all I knew of him was that uh, he's uh, he was in that one American special. Uh, oh, the two doctors on acid. That's that's what I like to call that. Mm. Uh, the uh, but but he did a lot of the audio uh, stories. He's done loads. So uh, so I'm interested to find out to find out more about that. Uh, the nudge this week uh, is an interview with a, uh, a, a an American professor named Peter McGraw who has done a book about comedy called The Humor Code, hmm. trying to uh, find a definition for what makes something funny. Interesting. Uh, very interesting. So, talking about uh, humor and design with uh, Peter McGraw. Cool. That's thenudge.com.au. Splendid Chaps. Is that splendidchaps.com.au? Yes. Uh, no, splendidchaps.com. <gasps> splendidchaps.com. Listen to it. Enjoy it. Uh, in terms of box cutters, da, da, da. episode 350 is going to be my last episode of box cutters. Mm. Brett Cropley, you're it's getting come to, a long way. Come a long way. I mean, it's not, it's not over yet. No, so we've still got four more episodes, Brett. Yes, four more to go. A lot of and flashbacks still not over to yet. the eighties, and then uh, and then uh, yeah, as well. Eight years. It's eight a long years. time. Eight years. Cropley and I've been doing this show. It's a long time, uh, Brett. You're you're getting together a, a whole new team, mm. and uh, and you're getting to you're, you're going to uh, cut boxes in a whole new way. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just make it up as you go. Yes. Just make it up as you go. Yeah. Uh, We've so got, uh, some very exciting developments coming up post uh, 350. Yeah. So 350 is going to be my last one. So uh, if you've just been hanging out for the episodes without me. <laughs> it's nearly time. They're going to start soon. Yeah. It's taken a long time. Maybe that person who stopped subscribing will resubscribe now. Oh, well, they wouldn't. Hard. How would they know? Yeah. Oh, good point. Mm-hmm. Can you, uh, listener? <laughs> Listen, if you know that person who... Can you tell uh, them? Can you just tell them? Tell them Josh is almost gone. They might He's still be listening. They're just not giving us any money anymore. Yeah, I, I thought it was a stop donating, not necessarily listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's taking it back to a case-by-case mm. case basis. Until next week. Oh, hang on. I should say that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 346. Mm. What a pleasure it was. It really was. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Your name is Josh Canal, and my name's Courtney Hocking. Your name's Josh Canal and Courtney Hocking, and my name is Ben McKenzie. And I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. So the jump in, jump in app, you've been using it for, uh, for minutes now. Yeah, yeah, minutes. Literally minutes. And... and- and does, is there anything interesting in it? I found that it's got a discover section. Right. And, and the discover section has only got three categories that right. you can discover. Uh, evening movies, sports, and kids. 
Right, can you uh, just hit it now? Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.